Boys, all this downtime in the house, all this downtime stuck inside my apartment, people that I love, games that I love, that I'm totally not losing my mind, you know, being around all the time, you know, just having the same thing to do over and over again. It's not making me crazy. No. It's not, not at I, all. Not it's at not all. making me crazy. Not at all. I like not at all. Jack Nicholson typing in front of the typewriter. Just not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. But what I was saying is, you know what would be really great, guys? If we get out of the house, if we just go on a big road trip, right? Oh, yeah? We, we get the boys together. We go on a Tell road trip. Big, to gigantic. I'm thinking transcontinental, baby. Transnational. <laughs> Where would we go? What, what's from your sea to shining sea. We start in New York, and we just we go all the way. I don't know. Pick a random state, Garrett. Uh, Oregon. Oregon. Wow. And then we just trailblaze. Right the epicenter of COVID, right? Our, our way all the way over to Seattle. And uh, I don't know. We we see the the remnants of the city that has been left over. We so, went from Oregon um, to Seattle, but that's okay. Uh, an <laughs> Oregon trailblaze, if you will. Easy. If you will. Wink, wink. That's mm. what we're going to be playing today. Oh. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Roll and Move, the Internet's podcast that takes a look at the weirder, stranger, worser board games out there. We break them apart, see how they work, and if you should uh, play them even ironically. I'm your first co-host and one of the creators of Rough Draft Games, Thomas Youngerberg, and with me here as always is... Garrett Lively. I have not participated in the Oregon Trail or its uh, gaming counterparts, but I did help Jeff drive all the way from Austin to Los Angeles, and we drove from Austin to New Mexico, and that was really... We saw some tumbleweeds. It was it was very dangerous. Uh, we like ran over some of them, and, and I would say that trip is just as treacherous as a real Oregon Trail, <laughs> um, especially the New Mexico part. Have you guys seen that video of like the there's a guy driving in the car with his girlfriend through the desert and there are these tumbleweeds that are that are going across the road at night and she's freaking out. She's like, make it stop. She's like on the verge of tears and the guy's laughing. That's pretty because it's because it's funny. tumbleweeds. Yeah. I, I've never I don't know how scary they are. I've never driven through one. How are they like so firm? I, or are they more soft? They're they're pretty soft. I I, I legit thought they were just like a figment of cartoons. Until we drove through New Mexico, like, and they were just every like they were just yeah, blowing across. And yeah, no, you just hit them, and just, it's just brush. <laughs> it's a sagebrush, yeah, brush, right? Yeah, yeah. It's probably not great for your car, but it's not going to hurt your like. It, you might like micro scratch your car. Like if you, if you have a choice between hitting a cat and hitting a tumbleweed, you should go for the tumbleweed. Cat's probably softer, though. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Also here with us is uh, Jeff Lee. I think if I had to pick one uh, Oregon Trail snack, it'd probably be either corn nuts <laughs> or uh, roasted sesame seeds. You're not you're not gonna pick trail mix, I would really, just, buddy. I would just pick no. flour. I just, <laughs> just a couple just. bags of flour, a raw uncooked flour. <laughs> There's so no much. Way. You're right. There's so much you can do with flour. <laughs> just shovel it. No, no, I just shovel in handfuls of flour. <laughs> Try to drink clouds. water with it as it becomes paste in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real good way to get your mouth all brown. It's just straight carbs. <laughs> I'm glad we did a second take. This is a way better. <laughs> good take. Good take. Oh, man. Well, guys, if you haven't been able to tell, we are playing the game Oregon Trail today, the card game version, and the variant that we actually picked up on uh, Tabletop Simulator. There is a Oregon Trail mod there that you can play for yourself. It's... Uh, Works pretty well. We're doing uh, you we guys a getting, favor. We're, yeah. we're keeping everybody safe. We're uh, self-isolating, staying indoors, and we're playing virtually. Yeah. It's, 
Yeah, so you should be thanking us. So yeah, uh, they should. They really thank should. Thank me. <laughs> Not all heroes wear capes, you know. That's that's right. <laughs> oh, a little inside joke there. But yes, we are playing the Oregon Trail game, the card game. Do you guys have any experience with the classic Oregon Trail game, the computer game that we all know and love from playing in our youth? So when I was in grade school, when I was in third and fourth grade, my elementary school actually had like Apple, like the big like Apple. It was basically, the you know, it's the size of a standard microwave nowadays. And they was just yeah. sat there. And so we didn't have any of the classic games that everybody talks about. So I, I, I mean, I had some typing games. But I don't even remember what they were called, but I did not play, you know, the classics, uh, Oregon Trail, Carmen San Diego. Um, or any of those. So I, I personally have no experience whatsoever with the video game Oregon Trail. I Re- remember playing it like once or twice at a friend's, like someone, some acquaintance's house, like they were playing it and I was trying to understand why I kept dying. <laughs> and, like <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't play it that often. I do remember the, the quintessential uh, computer games of our time. Um, this is going to show our age a bit, but like Garrett's saying, there are a lot of typing games. Do you guys remember the racing game? The faster you typed, the faster you could beat the car. Like if you, I think so. Correctly. Yeah, there was uh, that one, and there was also like a Wild Wild West typing game where like the if you typed long enough, you'd stay on like a bunking Bronco. And there was like oh, levels yeah. of difficulty where you'd be like, oh, you want to ride midnight? You're going to have to type nine letter words now, buddy. Let's oh, see if you no. can do it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And then it started to like shift into like. Pajama Sam games and like some of the other, you know, Putt-Putt, Putt-Putt goes to the zoo, Fatty Bear's birthday surprise. Look, I am very well versed on early PC games. It's actually something that interests me quite a lot. Um, There's, do you guys remember Escape from Math Mountain? It's those, it was those games where you're on this giant, no, it's, you're solving these math problems, you're trying to go up, you're learning the metric system, you're learning the imperial system's weight. A lot of really good educational games. I probably learned a lot from those. Pro- you um, know, there are a lot of good education. I wonder, I don't know how kids learn these days. Do they go to class or they just play mm-hmm. games? I would be totally down <laughs> to set up another podcast where we exclusively look at early PC educational games because those are just absolutely fascinating to yeah. me. Because the the stuff that people considered educational, like there are some that like, yeah, okay, it's teaching you basic math, that's fine. Right. And then there are other educational games where it's like... <laughs> alternate history. <laughs> yeah, alternate history. Like, do you want to see Abe Lincoln fight a mouse? <laughs> Wait, what? I didn't know that was something I could do. Yeah, yeah, he used but, axes uh, from time to time. Do you guys ever time? play the game Spy yeah. Fox? Do you remember Spy Fox? <laughs> no. no. Please oh, tell man. me. <laughs> Spy Fox is like... It was like one of those, like, uh, you know, you have to solve a crime and it's kind of like uh, you see a screen and there's a million different things that you can do. Kind of like a pick your own adventure. Um, Mm -hmm. So you can like go visit the factory or whatever. And you might notice some small clues here and there and you, you know, can discover items. And I wouldn't say like it was supposed to be an educational game, I think. But I don't even remember learning anything from that game. It's just (laughs) like just it's just a lot of cutscenes. You just so. want to you just want to click to see the animations. Yeah, exactly. Like that's sort of a discovery game. Yeah. So that's almost how I treated Oregon Trail with. So I have some experience with Oregon Trail. Uh, it was played. A variant of it was played in my classrooms. Not the super early one. The Apple one. In fact, I think this game's the card game's art that we're looking at today is based off of, or the cover of the the box is actually based off of the older, the oldest version of the game. Oh, really? Uh, I I played the updated version that was. It came out, I believe, in like 91 or 92, but it was like Oregon Trail 
I don't know, remastered or something like that. The equivalent of that. And that's where you had your live action actors uh, that were that were in it. And they were sort of like still framed and their little mouth would move. Um, and but the only thing that kids really liked Oregon Trail for was the hunting. Right. Right. Because you could start out in a town, you'd buy your supplies, you'd buy what you needed, you'd buy your flour, you'd buy uh, bullets, ammunition, spare parts, oxen. Uh, but really, if you're a kid and you're trying to have fun and you have like a 10 minute break where your teacher's actually letting you use the computer and it's your turn, what you do is you buy like a hundred boxes of ammo and a firearm (laughs) and then you just go out on the trail and you go, first chance you get, you go, I'm going hunting. You kill like 38 buffalo and you, you can only carry like 200 (laughs) pounds of meat in your cart and just leave the rest to rot. If anything, it was a real life simulator of why buffalo almost went extinct in the united states because (laughs) overkilling they're just the easiest thing to kill and they're the most satisfying thing to kill (laughs) a lot of meat here a lot of good meat you shoot it it just lumbers over even at yeah that was that's what we pretty much used it for uh i played a lot of the oregon trails like uh sequels where you could go fishing they took out the hunting mechanic and you would like stab into the water with a pitchfork and go spear fishing (laughs) (laughs) this was like it was crazy, and the, uh, the the one thing that my friend used to do is he would buy a like the most useless item that you could purchase before going into the Oregon Trail was a grandfather clock. He would he would buy multiple grandfather clocks and uh, just head out on the trail, huh. try his best, just hard mode it. Yeah, the master of time. Uh, he never got far, but uh, I, I think that this is going to be a recurring theme. Uh, not getting far as we sort of explore this <laughs> notoriously difficult game. Um, so this is a piece of intellectual property that everyone is familiar with. It capitalizes on nostalgia. Uh, Garrett, can you give us a little bit of the background on the designers or the publishers of this game? Absolutely. We're revisiting an old classic, which I don't think we've uh, we've come to visit since our deal or no deal days. But uh, this is Pressman Toy Corp. Who did? Oh wow! Yeah, uh, Pressman, the the big boys over at Pressman, who've back put out, from the dead. They've put out yeah a ton, a ton of games, um, and some of the ones we've reviewed on the podcast, Deal or No Deal, as I said, twenty four, the DVD board game, Amazon, or sorry, not Amazon, Amazing Race, the DVD board game, and then Napoleon Dynamite, little Pictionary game that we had. So those are those are the Pressman games we've done. All of them pretty awful uh with the i guess with the exception i i really like the amazing race game because i think that was the first game i won ever on roll and move so i was pretty pretty excited about bad. that it's pretty and bad the, uh, the great strategy i utilized to win that one strategy but yeah pressman yeah. <laughs> pressman notorious uh kind of like cardinal just they get a lot of licenses they get a lot of uh, uh reskins going they, they take family feud they take deal or no deal and they just put it on a dvd pop it in and you play through it uh, they they do a lot of ports with a lot of different licenses and and just throw it out there and say done. They don't they don't launch any uh, support or feedback to go along with it. So very notorious for that. And generally, we've noticed they've had uh, either wonky rules, unclear rules, uh, low to mediocre quality of parts. And uh, you know, generally mm-hmm. we've we've been we've been pretty harsh on the on the boys over at Pressman. So they're hoping for a little bit of a swan song, a little bit of redemption here on Roll and Move, as they they aim take aim at the nostalgia factor, and uh, especially for you, Tom, as a, a huge fan or at least a huge fan of old computer games, maybe not Oregon Trail. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they're they're going to be aiming for you here. So we'll we'll see how they do, see how it holds up here as we uh, we play. 
Yeah, I mean, it was another another bit of history with this is my brother, Matthew, uh, who's been on the podcast before, actually has this game. We used to play it and he hated it. Oh, really? He yeah. absolutely hated this game. And I think we're going to go into the reasons why. Yeah. Uh, but he my brother, Stephen, got him the expansion <laughs> for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> nice. There's an expansion to That's this great. game. He got it for him, and Matt hated that too. That's so awesome. that's just that's just the way that we work. I, I, so I think one thing. So this game came out in 2016. It was a Target exclusive. So I, I don't know if I don't know. I, my memories of going into Target, like walking down the toy aisle or the uh, the game aisle, it's just it's kind of exactly the pressman. The Pressman Target audience is just all licensed stuff, you know. Right. My Little right. Pony, when either, like you're not going to find. Uh, recently, in the past few the, years, the only indie stuff that you'll find, you'll find like House. I was in Target the other day, and I actually walked through the board, <laughs> the board game aisle. Oh yeah. Um, and it was actually there's a lot of people getting involved, getting hopping on the board game train. Yeah. Uh, due to the yeah. COVID thing, which is great. Uh, but. Some of the stuff that they still had there was they had Seven Wonders is mm-hmm. still there. The uh, pandemic, I think, is now a Target exclusive. Yeah, it, yeah. it's got a, it's got it, it's exclusive to Target. That's no, that's sorry, not an exclusive, but they, you know they have like you, you can. Find I think there's it a there lot of the expansions that are right. Target exclusives. Well, I, I, I as far as the board game goes, they have they have they were one of the first major retailers to jump into the hobby board gaming yeah. fad and expand. But even still, there the stuff you can get from there as opposed to you know, your friendly local game store is right, going to be the cream of the crop, like the biggest of the big sellers. Yeah, and, and you know, it, which makes sense. That's what, you know, to, to have that in inventory and stock it and, and do well with it, you're going to have to have like stuff that a lot is of volume to sell well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is definitely found in the, in the target aisle. And so, I mean, Pressman has re- probably really good relations with larger retailers. So it's no <laughs> oh, yeah. surprise that, uh, you know, this wound up where it wound up. <laughs> yep, exactly. No surprise indeed. I I, I think it is a uh, quintessential just here's some nostalgia, here's yeah. a licensed product, throw it on the uh, target shelf and uh people sell month. it just well, people yeah, sell we'll it just our, based on the name alone. They're not going to do any research and, and mm-hmm. go for so it. So is there a designer for this game, Garrett? Do we have a um, uh no, no designer is listed. It just has the Pressman Toys Corp publisher posted on there and yeah. uh, no other credits. We don't have any artists, we don't have any designers. We've got a, a two to six player range. We've got a thirty to forty five minute playing time, which I think may even be as short as uh, two minutes, depending on your card Depends. draws. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but no, that's that's about it um, as far as the 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 credits that we have for this game. Okay, I mean, I'm actually a little bit surprised by that because as you guys will come to find out, that there's there's a little bit more to this game than just sort of slapping some images on the cards. There is a little bit unique design that I think sort of like pertains to the game. But mm-hmm. in order to go, you get into that. We got what do we got to do, Jeff? We got to do we got to do something. Can here. you uh, double gotta... click on this uh, on this tabletop game and open up yeah. the, click, click. open okay. up the title or open up the. Okay. Doesn't yeah. it's not the same ring, huh? Does it, Thomas? No, 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 no. It really doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well. But uh, but go ahead, Garrett. Tell us. What's in the game? What's in the game? All right. So major part in the physical physical box of this, you have a dry erase board that you get to write the name of everybody in your party. And on the backside, it has some graves just insinuating that most of you are going to die. We have a like Not an wrong. octafold piece of paper for the instruction booklet. Uh, of note, the major major thing I want to point out in here is the thing that says uh, once 
the game ends in one of two different ways. Uh, one, at least one player reaches Williamette uh, Valley in Oregon, and if so, everybody wins. Or, and then it says, more likely, everybody dies, and then the game ends. So it, it, it straight up it tells does. you that you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, very likely you're going to die. We have, I believe, what is it, uh, about 52 trail cards. And basically, on the back side of it, it just says trail. On the front side of it, it has varying paths that can either end either start or begin in the uh, left, the center, or the right. And basically throughout the game, you're just going to connect those as you move from, I believe, Missouri is the starting place all the way to Oregon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Independence, Missouri is the starting place. We have some Calamity cards. Uh, I can't remember. There's, I don't know, 40 Calamity cards, which, uh, no, 32 Calamity cards, which have various, uh, I guess, Oregon Trail Events that happen, you can, uh, of course, die of dysentery, the most famous, I think, Oregon Trail meme. Just you yeah, die. I made t-shirts of that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can you can contract various diseases. You can have various uh, various bad events like your your wagon breaking down or your cattle dying or you running low on food or winter hits. Uh, so those are the calamity cards, and then also you are going to have your supply cards, which is basically just going to be various things you're going to bring with you on your trip to help tackle those calamities. Yeah, you're going to have medicine, you're going to have water, food, spare parts for your wagon, ammunition. Uh, mm-hmm. And then so on and so forth. So basically, the the premise of the game is fairly simple. On your turn, you can play a card, and then it uh, generally has to be a trail card or a supply card that is going to help you solve some calamity that you have going on. To play a trail card, you just have to connect the path, like I said, the left, right, or the center, to the previous mm-hmm. card that was played. And right. the there's some there's some fiddling around to to. To as far as like you stack different as piles go, that's not really important. That basically what you need to know is you need to play fifty cards to get from Independence, Missouri, all the way to Williamette. It's a long trail. Yeah, so fifty cards, and we did the math. There's uh, there's twenty of what, what are called Ford cards, and basically that's a 50-50 shot of you losing. You're crossing a river, and basically there's fifty fifty shot of you losing an item as you cross that river. So right. 20, how many items are you allowed to have in your hand, Gare? You start with five, or we started with five. It depends on how many players you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are so yeah, and the only way to get new items is if you want to trade in two of your items for any one item from the item shop. So all the items are placed face up, and you can so like if you have a surplus of food, you can trade in two food for maybe. Which is some crazy medicine. to me. <laughs> but that that is that is for the most part the only way to get extra supplies there are a couple of uh forts and towns throughout the path i think there's four out of the uh, 50 some odd cards that you'll come i across. also love that no matter what you're getting a bad deal yeah right yeah, yeah. like no matter what like it, like there is no sort of like hierarchy of valuable items in the game right right like if if you want to get to if you want to get maybe some highly valuable medicine then you have to trade two food. Okay, okay. So that means medicine's really valuable. But let's say you have like three medicine and you need food. No matter what, you're still yeah. going to lose two medicine sure. to get your food. Yeah. It's yeah. just yeah. like yeah. you don't know what's coming up. Yep. You're oh, you're always God, lo- you're miserable. always losing out in the trade. It's always it's it's like you're it's just like you're going to Vegas. You you're not getting a good deal. No matter what you put your money on, you're not getting a good deal. It's rough. Uh, so yeah, twenty of those Ford cards, which are the ones that uh, you have a 50-50 shot of losing an item. You have 24 Calamity cards, and these are basically you just draw from the Calamity deck, and for the most part, you have... They're bad. We, 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 yeah, <laughs> you have something so what, bad what, happen. 
Go what ahead. causes you to draw a calamity card? Did you did you, so when the, the three different types of yeah, there's the, uh, the three different cards, types right? of trail cards. One just says press space bar, draw a calamity card, which I, I guess in uh in Oregon Trail you hit space to continue, and something would happen. Correct right. me if I'm wrong there, but basically, yeah, the card just says press space bar, draw a calamity card. So it'll either say that it'll have no text whatsoever, or it'll say cross a forward, roll a die, even right. number you cross safely, odd number you lose an item. Right. So, so those are the only three path types that those you are the have, three path the types, towns. with the exception of four town or two towns, two forts for a total of four cards that allow you to basically just get a break and resupply on a couple of items. You can get two items, or you can get rid of a calamity in those places. And then, uh, and then, and then, uh, so with the calamities, I we look through the deck. Basically, there are two positive calamity cards, and those are either you just discard it, or you can discard some uh, ammunition to go hunting. Mm-hmm. And then everything else uh, basically has either a timer where you'll die if in a round of people don't play the correct combination of like medicine or clean water or spare parts or, you know, food or clothing or whatever. Or uh, just straight up the you first die. card I drew in the game, you died of dysentery immediately. I had no, no control over it whatsoever. Which is kind of great. Like, I think it's, it's very it's really thematic with the nostalgia of the game that Garrett died in the fir- very first turn of the Very of first draw. Yeah, yeah. I, I started the game off and died of dysentery. So there also a, is one more mechanic, I think, um, that you kind of touched on in the Calamity deck, which is um, you can you can fix broken things like um, what do they call them? Like tongues, like uh, wagon tongues, tongues, spokes, right. axles. And to yeah, fix just... those, you can roll a dice. It's a 50-50 shot, I think, to, mm-hmm. to fix it. So that's so the, like Jerry rig it or something. Yeah, like that's that. the only time that you can get a Calamity card and not have to either die immediately or have to use a card to resolve. Right. Like a, you might be able to chance your luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would I would argue that's the second best card behind like food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but just to reiterate, basically your turn is very simple. If you can play a card, you must. And if you can't play a card, you'll draw an additional trail card. So if you can play a card, you'll play a trail card, and then really you only, you're only going to play supply cards if a calamity card is out. So basically, you're playing supply cards when things are already bad. Otherwise, you're actively making things worse. So, so that is the uh, that is the name of the game for the most part. Um, and those are the basic rules. There's some other stuff like you cross out your name and write it on. A, you write a little epitaph on a uh, on a gravestone once you die. Um, you will your supplies. Not very important. Just of the game. Lay out this trail that matches and uh, try to get to try to get to Oregon. I, I just remember the horrible realization that Jeff and I had because on, on the <laughs> oh tabletop gosh. simulator, there's 10 spaces of cards, right? Yeah. Very first card, Garrett lays down a path. It tells him to draw a calamity card on the trail dead. and uh, boom, immediately dead. And I'm like, well, <laughs> this it's gonna be a the long difficulty road. curb here is going to be very brutal. So it's just me and Jeff and there are 10 blank spaces between us and Oregon Trail. And I go, wow. This is going to be tough to beat. We mm-hmm. get up to like five and we've had to draw like two or three calamity cards. I've had rough. to discard. I've discarded like already like two or three of my supplies to like save Jeff's life. I, I cured his typhus. <laughs> I uh, I fixed the wagon wheel that already had broken. And we're like already. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Start. Like, but we feel like this we're, is, we're like halfway there. Right? We're, we're like halfway there. And then Garrett says, all right, so you guys have uh, placed five cards down, so I'm going to stack them. <laughs> you need to get ten stacks to get to Oregon. Oh, we have to play 50 cards, 50 cards. to get to Oregon? That's it right. was a moment of hopelessness. Did you do that on purpose, Gare? 
No, I was following the rules. So I, 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 you know, I, I heard yeah, you, did you hide that information. No, I, th- I heard him mention it, but you know, we were just kind of glazed over. You know, it. it's it's hard to listen to the rules and like process what is actually going to happen. It's you know, it, you do this when you're playing. You know, you can read the rule book of a strategy game, but not actually process what the strategy is or what the what the tactics will be until you start playing. You say, like, oh, scenario, yeah, yeah, that's really that's yeah. re- that's I see what that does. So when you're laying out the cards, that's fine, and then. <laughs> Once you get that visceral feeling of, all right, so now you're a tenth of the way through your journey. Let me just slide yep, all these bags. No, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a whole different thing. Oh, one thing I do want to talk about, the math of this. So I said uh, you know, about 50. There are actually 56 cards in the trail deck. So you're going to play all but six of those cards, okay? So roughly uh, 24, so roughly what? Uh, uh, I don't know. Over a third of them are the Calamity cards. 24 right. of them are Calamity cards. There are 32 cards in the Calamity deck. So you're, you're going to hit almost all of the Calamity cards. You're going to save bad. yourself. You're going to save yourself from eight of them. So there is a very, very high chance. There are four cards that just instantly kill you. So right. if you're playing with three players, I mean, there's got to be an 80, 80% chance everybody dies just from Calamity cards and just like the straight up you dead Calamity cards. Like yeah. I, the the right. odds on this are insane. I haven't crunched them. And math, not, not to mention like get you getting them in the wrong order. Like Jeff and I have <laughs> were actually really lucky. Yeah. Uh, getting them in the order that we did mm-hmm. um, because we we were like, okay, we had, we just forded a river. We lost an item. I'm going to get rid of the food. And we, the thankfully, that was the one that we didn't need in order right. to keep progressing forward. Yeah. We had the item for everything. Mm-hmm. If we didn't, like, we would have died a lot sooner. We died, uh, what, halfway through? We got all the way to, like, 25 cards. Yeah, we you guys got to far, about, surprisingly. You guys got to about 40, uh, 44 cards, I believe, is how far you got. So you you got roughly halfway through the game. With no towns or forts, so I think you know, good times were coming eventually. It was, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I want to mention. I want to add this. Like the supply card mechanic is like so limiting. It's insane. Like there's the only way that you can get cards is like we mentioned before. It's either a town or a fort, and you only get one or two cards depending on which one you land on. And not only that, you only the person that draws a card gets to re, gets to resupply. So, um, like we mentioned earlier, you can get the things that you need, but to get the mm-hmm. things that you need, you need to trade a two for one. So there's like a, a ton of ways to get really bottlenecked in the game, and there's nothing you can do about <laughs> it at all. I, I think you are only heading towards being bottlenecked. Your your best yeah. odds in this game are about fifty fifty if something bad not happening. Right, it's not exactly. something good happens. It's yeah. just something bad did. Yeah, happen. <laughs> and like you know, part of it, part of me is like that's bad balancing, but the other part of me is like it's true to the original Oregon Trail game. I don't know what the actual odds odds are in that game, but I know that obviously you know it's it's infamous for being a really difficult game to yeah. to get through, even though it's so simple. It's not like. You know, to, in today's ga- day and age, if you're playing a video game like Dark Souls or something, a lot of it's mechanics based and it's kind of difficult to like do everything in the right combination. And mm-hmm. here it's just like the odds are just stacked against you. Like there's there's like it's like trying to win the lottery. It's like a little easier than trying to win the lottery, you know, so and it's drawn <laughs> right. out, you know, and you're kind of expecting to be able to make decisions that will help you mitigate some of this, some of this um, inevitable death. But it, at the end, you know, everyone spirals towards spirals towards dying of something or another. Right. And the difference between this game and like something like like I've played Forbidden Deserts now a couple times with Allison. We actually had a little board game night with uh, Daniel and Lauren as well. Mm-hmm. And we played with them and we've I've I haven't won a game in Forbidden Desert in a long time. Right. But the reason that I feel like there's a big difference between this and sort of or this, you know, a game like this Oregon Trail 
is that uh, with that game, you're making a lot more choices. You're managing your equipment a lot more. With Oregon Trail, it feels like, all right, a bad thing happened. What do you want to cut off? Your right hand or your left hand? Yeah. It's like you're going you're going to hurt yourself either way. Yeah, yeah. There is no good decision. There is no you can't really exit a situation in this game and go, I made the best decision that I could. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I, I agree with that. And I think even to a degree with like um with with Forbidden Desert, Forbidden Island. One one of our favorite we kind of classify these games uh anecdotally ourselves as hold on games, which is just like hold on like we're gonna we're gonna like one of us may survive just hold on until i can get you some medicine just yeah. don't die you know just, just it's like don't do anything on. good just don't die and that's kind of our it's the, our hold on games is kind of what we uh what we call them and one of our favorites is the alien legendary game yeah you know, it's not the, it's not the, it's not the best game ever but it's it's great thematically you're just trying to survive and there are some there are some uh cards that instantly kill you in that game but what you can do so like basically um you can get uh, chestbursters from the alien franchise and so basically mm-hmm. you put that out in front of you and you have some time to try and kill it until it goes into your deck and then eventually it'll come up and you'll die so there's a sense of impending doom however it, it gives you a chance to address it um, and i think that's one of the major flaws of this game you know we we're kind of talking about what makes this a good hold on game versus what makes oregon trail a bad hold on game and i think it i think for me, it's just those four cards that just instantly kill you and you can do nothing about it. I'm totally okay right. with like all those, like you, you have a bad deal. You have a bad, you know, trade in rate at the supply store. Um, you have a 50 shot of losing your supplies and that's the best odds you're going to get. But just the complete inability to do anything about the cards that just instantly kill you, the rattlesnakes and the dysentery. I don't know, man. That, that just doesn't feel great. Yeah, I want to um, I want to add on that and then also talk about it. I guess another um, Forbidden Island and Desert are also Matt Lee caught games. I'm pretty sure, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, Pandemic is obviously one that most people played as well. And like the the thing about Pandemic is like even if Epidemic cards come up, which is I guess the semi equivalent to like a um, yeah. like a dysentery card, it's like the worst thing that can happen. I guess um, sure. y- you. It's bad, but you know what's gonna happen the next time you like you like you're saying with the chestbursters. Like you 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 know the odds, right? You know what's on. You know the stakes. You know it's yes. out there. Um, you know it could come back up, and there but there are ways to mitigate it with event cards yeah. and other things like that. Or you can go yeah. and um, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's not even that it's unwinnable because you know some games of pandemic I, I think are unwinnable. Yeah, but yeah, certainly they, they do, certainly they do, they do something to stack the deck. In, in pandemic so you at least know that like all right an epidemic just came up i know one is safe until roughly yeah you know, yeah and part of it is like your cards. mitigation plan and like part of it's like you know you're you're making trade-offs in the game like do i can do i try to avoid outbreaks in certain areas or like in like in forbidden, <laughs> right. forbidden island do i try to shore up um sinking yeah. sinking monuments it's kind of all the same thing but in here it's like it's this idea that like it's coming up and there's literally nothing you can do about it. Like, you know, you're <laughs> gonna die I think it's, eventually. One of these cards just say you're gonna die, so you just you yeah. just have to live with it. And there's nothing you can do to prep yourself. Yeah. It's or, like it's like we know we know in a game of pandemic the Shanghai card could instantly kill us if you know we have three cubes on there and it's gonna cause us massive yeah, outbreak change. Yeah. But not every game. But of it's pandemic, your fault. Yeah, that's yeah, the big and, thing. And but not every game of pandemic. Well, not not even always. You know, sometimes always, you start yeah. the game. You yeah. start the game. I would and, say most of the time in pandemic, like there is a 
you could have gotten over there, but yeah. you had the discussion as to yeah, look. I really you got. I got to hand off these yeah, cards. You made a decision I, to made, ignore yeah. it. Or... I, I totally agree with that. But sometimes there's nothing you can do yeah, about it. Sometimes I, uh, you I start agree. the game. You start with three cubes on Shanghai. You immediately draw the Shanghai card. You add another cube, causes chain reaction outbreak. There's nothing. There's literally nothing you can do about yeah, it. Yeah. However, the difference yeah. between this and th- that game that's and this game. That's not GG though. That's not a game. Over. Not, no, not, not always. But not it, it could completely wreck you for the rest of the game. Right. Which which like. Drawing a death card. Yeah, in this it's game. not a death sentence. My, in pa- my 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 point is in this game is that um, in pandemic you the Shan- the Shanghai card doesn't instantly kill, kill you in, across 100 percent of the time every single game that you play. Like Shanghai, this this time we know if we draw the Shanghai card we're gonna die, and like there's nothing you can do about it. But if we draw the Shanghai card we're gonna die. Whereas every game you play, it's not always the case that like Shanghai is just gonna instantly kill you. In Oregon Trail, there's a card that you just draw no matter what, no matter what game state there is, no matter yeah. what decisions, no you matter have what made, you've done, you're no matter dead. what you prepped, you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Uh, there's no, literally nothing you can do about yeah, it. There's and, no, in there's this no game, there's like an 80% chance if you're yeah. playing with three players, so you're going to... Yeah, gonna it's not... Like, even if there was a supply card collection mechanic, which are really... Like, there is in this game with Towns and Forts, but, like, I wouldn't really even call it... Because it happens such... It's so bad. It's, it, it's so bad. Only one person able yeah. to, like, grab an eye. Everyone gets to the town, but only the person who laid down the card <laughs> is able to trade in their stuff. Even yep. if... And let's say even Jeez. if you did them back-to-back. Like, even if you did it, like... You just so happen to get a really great start. You get all the fort cards, all the town cards, and they all happen on, you know, they all happen equally or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like the next card could have been a dysentery card. You could have just died. So, you know, there's yeah. nothing you can really do. There's no way to outplay it, you know, which is which is really frustrating, I think. And and it's the chance is like it's an equal chance of that versus like another card like a starvation card, right? In, in the Calamity deck. It's not like it's that much less likely in the Calamity deck than any other of the Calamity cards. Yeah, so Jeff, I've asked Thomas this before, but I, Thomas, I'll ask you again here on air. What, one of the things I, I wonder about hold-on games or, or these cooperative games where it's supposed to feel very difficult, like you're just trying to survive, not necessarily not necessarily be an excess or, or you know, flourish in the in the role but just get to the end you know you're str- limping into the end what do you think a good win percentage of a game like this should be um so let's say for like you know people that are just opening up the game how many how many games do they need to go through until they win their first one or you know kind of on the flip side if you are very well versed in this game you know if you play legendary you know every night with everybody how many t- or should you have like a 50 percent win rate if you're truly skilled at it or, or very familiar with everything what do you what do you think the win rates should be in games um, like So I think generally I have an idea just because of like how many times I've played Pandemic I think but sure. Um, so when we when you first start playing De- Pandemic I think the win rates should probably be in the like the fifteen or twenty percent range like okay. you might luckily figure it out on the first try but most of the time people play Pandemic they're trying to understand what the optimal ways to um, move are uh you know which roles are are conducive to what you like to do things like that it does become i think you've mentioned before garrett it does become this kind of echo chamber where everyone it's kind of this hive mind mentality of what everyone should do and it kind of makes like future games of pandemic a little bit worse because you know they're like oh we've we've seen this happen before this is what we're going to do um and because of that you get better at the game i think it starts to shift more towards like the like the 50 60 percent range if you've played it a ton of times because you know you in the base game of pandemic like it's starts becoming pretty clear what the right move is i'd say in general so i I would say like between those two um those two extremes like if you first start playing a game it should probably be in the low end of like 15 or 20 percent win rate 
I agree with that. I would say that once you master a game, I think your win percentage, uh, your mechanics shouldn't have enough random things that can just totally derail you. Uh, I think that you're if, if you're a total master of the game and you figured out the mechanics and how the game works, I think your win percentage should be around 50 or 60 percent. Yeah, I'll also add this. Um, um, in, in Pandemic, um, it's not just like the win rate part. It's also like where are you losing the game? So most of the time, I would say like even 80 or 90 percent of the time when I lose Pandemic, it's on the last two or three turns. Like it's usually about should we have given a card to this person or that person? So. At that mm-hmm. at that point, it's usually about chance, um, and mm-hmm. but and you pr- typically like I'll typically lose just because like oh if I had drawn another card instead of this epidemic at this point I would have I would have won, um, and that happens. But and and I'm fine with that. You know that's part of the game of pandemic. Um, we had pretty much made all the right decisions, but sure. Um, but you know I, I think where you lose is kind of important too. It's not like we're losing like you know halfway through the deck or whatever and hadn't even gone through our first set of infection cards. Like I think it kind of matters where you lose as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with the framing of, or I'm sorry, I'm fine with the inclusion of chance. I think it's just all about the framing of it. Yeah, you know, you I if Oregon Trail has the exact same odds as winning the expert variant of Pandemic, which it very well might. Um, I still think Pandemic's a better game because you have more agency in in how the game turns out as opposed to drawing a card that just says you're dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you, but it, but I agree. What I, would I, you say the win percentages for Oregon Trail, Gary? I, it depends on the player count, I would imagine, but I would guess that it's got to be somewhere around 10%. Yeah, like, I think and, it's right. And even even with perfect knowledge or, or complete understanding of the game, I, I that's a complete guess. But just thinking about how likely you are, with three players at least, how likely you are to draw the cards to just instantly kill you for every player. Because you're going to go through the majority of the cards. Yeah, there's only the six cards that you don't go through. So, so there's like... A very very high chance that someone, if not all of yeah. you, are just going to die. There's four. Yeah. There's four cards. There's more death yeah. cards than there are people. So, like, it's, <laughs> yeah. so like you're very like, and there's nothing you knew about. So you're very yeah. likely. I mean, to I, die I'm just I'm, I'm not sure what it would change to if you're playing with six players. Although everybody gets fewer resources to start the game with. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I got to imagine it's 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 got to be. I have 10%. a really interesting maybe, maybe variant than that. Um, for you guys. So what? Wh- how would you? How would it change your perspective of the game if all the instant death cards were taken out? Um, I I think I would. It, it, it's still like <laughs> one of the things we're talking about is the the hold on mechanism of this. But honestly, the the game itself is seeing if you can match a a trail and and throw it down. There's there's not a ton of of choice that you have in the game except for yeah. all right. I think I'm gonna get rid of this card. So I don't know. You don't get to like decide the order that you're going to do stuff in. You right. don't get to, uh, you know, pay for, you know, I don't know. You get to pick which supplies you want or which to get rid of. But other than that, mm-hmm. it's rolling dice. Um, but you don't have a lot of, you don't have a ton of decision to make. So yeah, I it, it would improve it for me. But still, the the game itself isn't the most entertaining. You yeah. don't you don't get like a all right. I'm going to go left here. Right. There's not like right a ton here. of yeah. There's not yeah, a ton it, of I, choice. I have one thing that I think would vastly increase the replayability of this game. What's up? I'd take a I'd take a note from a legacy game and I would include a sealed envelope that says only open this if you win. <laughs> uh and that would probably be enough for a Still idiot like me. <laughs> I, I have, to, get, I I have to win so I can open the envelope. And the inside is like, I don't know, like maybe a really heavy sort of steel yeah. uh, commemorative commemorative coin or something like that yeah. of the or- Oregon Trail. Like that'd be cool, right? Yeah. Some, like something that you can put on your desk or something like that. 
or you know, you can put it above your board game collection. Like a little thing like that would be maybe even put like a little bit of dirt in there, like dirt from the new land or something like that. You know, like in there with the coin, you can make it you can make it thematic. You could yeah. really, really make that work. But I feel like you need a gimmick with a game that is this hard because a good hold on game is death by a thousand paper cuts. Mm -hmm. But with those instant death cards, it's a nuke, right? You step on that and it's a landmine. It blows you out of the water. Uh, So I I feel like that there's a way that you could increase replayability and that's by diminishing some of those uh, instant death cards. I think um, a lot of the hold on games that we found have been really good. It's like, it's just a series of trade-offs, right? Like if you look at, any of the Matt Leacock games, like any of the Forbidden Islands, Deserts, or Pandemics, like you usually you're um, you're foregoing most of those action-based restrictions, right? So you're choosing to either do X or Y, um, and there's obviously like a clear benefit cost-benefit analysis that you're trying to do, um, and, and there's just none of that here. And I think um, and the reason why that's interesting is like you could be gaining more and more resources, but maybe you're getting less turns, right? So. And I think that's where usually it helps you kind of ring in. Like it never makes you super OP in the game. You can't like stockpile and you can't really get really far ahead because you're always giving something up. Um, so I think that that really helps a game like a, a hold on mechanic game where you're, you know, if there is like an average pace of play that they're expecting, you're always kind of hovering in, around that average pace of play. And you're always like yeah. just maybe barely ahead of what you should be and kind of feel kind of good or you're like really kind of drowning. Um, but you yeah. never really feel like you're way out of it and you never really feel like you're way ahead. The, the only other component I would add to the quote-unquote game of this that I'd, I'd have to think about some more, but just off the top of my head, I, I don't think it adds that much. Maybe it could. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm de-simpl- or oversimpl- or yeah, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but the trail, you know, tr- kind of gaming which way the trail is going. If you see that, you know, Jeff can't play when the trail's over the right-hand side, maybe continuing to keep it over on the right-hand side so that he gets to draw more cards and has more of a choice. I, I don't think that would have a huge impact because the game forces you to play a trail card if you can. So, and, and, you know, if you can, it's just going to go down. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe there's something there with that. But really, I, I don't think that you have that much choice overall of this game. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's where it really suffers. Yeah, we were, t- we were discussing it while we are playing. One of the best scenarios is, like, you can't play over and over and over and you keep drawing yeah, trail cards. Like, draw if I just it, kept yeah. drawing right-handed there's trail no cards. Hand limit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's no hand limit. And then eventually I do draw a left-handed one. I have all these other choices to choose from, and I can maybe have choice in that sense that, like, yeah, yeah I can only play right-handed trail cards, but I have 50 away. of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe I can pick something that's good and or kind of mitigate it that way. But um, that's just one very small percentage chance that that unravels the way that – one scenario that might unravel. Sure. There's no way that you can try to set that up, you know, so – well, what are what are some of the other people on the internet say about this game before we really go into more of our putting a number on our opinions? Sure. Uh, the I will go ahead and uh, sort of tip tip the uh, reveal this to the listener here. Uh, this game is not well received on Board Game Geek at all. It is there are a ton of people who have very similar sentiments when it comes to this game. I have one here. This person rated it a one. This is M. Nickerson 30. He says, this obviously wasn't play tested at all. It doesn't work and is just terrible. I should know better. Usually I am very cautious about researching games before purchase, but this time I got sucked in by the lure of 1980s nostalgia and didn't do my homework. <laughs> Big mistake. Big mistake. I like rough. this one here. Pretty rough stuff um, there. Uh, by 
I'm not even going to try to read the name here, but <laughs> setup setup takes too long for the length of actual gameplay. We played on tabletop simulators, so I don't know if that's the case. Plus, I don't think the setup would have been that long. I don't know. Um, but much like the computer game, it's frustrating to play, and death is almost certain. It can be extremely boring for players immediately upon game start because some cards allow absolutely no ability to counter immediate death, which is exactly what happened to Garrett. Uh, I have a good one here on Amazon. Uh, it's from Matthew J. O'Neill. Terrible game, one star out of five. They really went to the trouble of creating a card game that was actually lamer than the original video game. <laughs> I did not really think that could be done. But then I remembered that there is risk and monopoly. I do not recommend this game. It's awful, but did teach my children about dysentery. By the way, uh, 4.1 out of five stars on 527 customer ratings on Amazon. That's pretty bad. Really? So that's, yeah. that's really for bad. For 4.1? 4.1 stars is bad? Oh, 4.1 out of five? Yeah. Oh, well, that's that's pretty like here's the thing. I think most people get this game because they know it's sort of like a self-troll. Yeah. yeah. Uh we do this we've done this all the time. We've sure. done this many times, Garrett, where it's this it's more along the yeah. lines of you know, I'm going to I'm going to do this to myself. And I'm going to play this even though I know it's going to be miserable. I think Amazon yeah. scores as we know are really really inflated anyways, right? For board games mm-hmm. like it's, they're inflated. I think you're also sometimes reviewing the quality of the product that you received as far as like is it in tatters is it yeah is it what you expected right is it was it shrunk wrapped did they properly pack it so there's a little bit of that to a certain extent i i think you have to uh and i guess i'll go into my review here um to a certain extent i think you have to take the just as i did with the choose your own adventure thing you have to take the original the original piece that it's trying to bring to a new medium into consideration and thematically this is right on point with the original Oregon Trail Uh, absurd difficulty and you even see that in a lot of the reviews that we see on Board Game Geek you see people saying uh, yeah, this is this captures the intense difficulty of the of the card game. Uh, yeah, this is just as this. It certainly is uh, as unfair as the original as the original computer game is what I meant to say. Sure, and. I don't understand if people are buying this out of nostalgia and they remember the game being really hard and the diet of dysentery memes that were like on shirts were around way before this game came out on, you know, in the card version, the card game version. What were people thinking when they bought this game? Because most people purchased this off of nostalgia and they did it because, oh, wow, that was a really fun game and I totally whooped my ass when I was a kid. Are people buying this and they're getting upset because they can't win and they're like, oh, this is just unfair, absurd difficulty? Maybe. And I really don't understand what they were expecting. Yeah. It's like saying, oh, man, I remember this show that or this video game it was absurdly difficult when I played it when I was a kid. And then I go and I play that video game today and it still kicks my ass and I go, oh, what the heck? Like, I don't. <laughs> I wonder if they think they, what, they're probably better because they're older. I can make decisions way better than I could when I was a child. <laughs> Even though the Maybe. Like I don't know. I don't know what people were expecting from this game. If they were looking for balanced gameplay mechanics, they came to the wrong town at the wrong time. <laughs> Oregon is not a place you want to go Oregon is for balanced, balanced gameplay mechanics. So for all the valid points that we're, we're making about this game and we're saying, well, it should have a higher win percentage. It should have... It should have all these extra mechanics, death by thousand paper cuts. You shouldn't have you shouldn't be able to immediately die. It's what the original game was. Yeah. And if they're trying to stay as specifically dedicated to the game 
as they possibly can. I don't really have a problem with that. I really don't. Yeah. I think this is a gag gift. I think Steven got it right when he gave my brother a gift. He gave Matthew a game that he knew he would hate because it was a form of like trolling. This is a game. It's playable. Yeah. But it's also... It's a statement in and of itself that the mm-hmm. game is supposed to be ridiculously hard to beat. Now, does that make it a good game? No, of course not. <laughs> but I think it's important to keep that in context as we're viewing the uh, as we're viewing the game and we're looking at it today. Uh, I do think that a way to improve it would be to just have uh, something for those dweebs out there who is who would love to be able to open an, a forbidden envelope that they cannot open until they beat the game legitimately. Uh, yeah. That would be a great way to increase replay value. There's a surprise, like I don't, I can't tell you how many Xbox Live and Steam achievements I have gotten simply because I get a little sticker for it. Yeah. <laughs> like there, that is an excellent way to keep replayability up. But that being said, uh, and taking into consideration my thoughts on the the original difficulty of the game, I'm going to give this a uh, 3.5 out of 10. Um, I can go next. Yeah, so I, I 100% agree with you, Thomas. I think if this game released on its own, without if there was never an Oregon Trail game and it released on its own, I'd probably give it lower than I'm actually going to give it. Um, and I'm, I'm giving a nod to the fact that the original game was a hard game, infamously a hard game. Um, and that's part of the nostalgia that people are... You know, it ties back into the theme. The theme of the Oregon Trail game was that it was you know difficult. You're probably going to die. Um, there's obviously some gameplay mechanics here that, like, um, that I, I probably can't forgive um, just because, you know, it, it can be hard, sure, but like, can it be hard and manageable? Yeah, like the, obviously we've seen other other games do that very, very successfully. So, um, I, you know, I, I don't I don't love the idea that you got to k- kind of get this instant death, like instant gotcha in the game. Um, and there are obviously a lot of flaws when it comes to, you know, a card based game where, you know, the checkpoints can be. Like in our case, all of our checkpoints, all of our forts and towns ended up being in the back half of the game. So we just got wrecked. It wasn't spread out throughout. So um, there could have been some other mechanics there uh, that could have helped that. Obviously, they could have done a lot more to make sure the game was a little bit more. It was really, really difficult, but keeping with the correct uh, pace of the game that they wanted, which is could have been still difficult. Um, but thematically, I think thematically is exactly what matches the original game. So I have to give a nod to that. Probably going to give it a similar score to you. Um, I'll probably give it a three. Cool. Uh, agree with the points on the uh, theming, the the atmosphere they're trying to go for, and I, I think they even acknowledge this in the rules where they say you're probably going to die, you're probably yeah. going to lose. Um, so I, I do I do appreciate that. Um, also, one thing I don't think we really talked about that much is the eight bit art that they threw on here. It, I I don't know if it's the art from the game, Thomas. You'll you'll have to. Did they have like trails drawn out in the original game? Uh, yes, there were trails drawn out, I believe, on the original game, yeah. and then also, uh, they had in the in the later games that I played, there was a lot of like hand drawn. It almost looked like really good colored pencil drawings, and that that snake bite graphic that you have on there is like totally looks exactly like something that you would see in yeah. the uh, in like the later versions of the game. Yeah. Um, it's got the old uh, DOS game like text box, like the black with the white outline and the white text and, you know, the very sans serif font. Um, so I, I think thematically it really pulls out the, all that together. I think as a product, it, it hit the nail on the head, kind of like what you're saying as the gag gift or the self troll or the, uh, the nostalgia factor. Um, but yeah, the game itself, you know, I, I mean, it, tell me and Tom and Oregon Trail. Did you sometimes? Did you ever not have a choice as far as the dysentery went? Did you just you hit 
go and you just died of dysentery. Yeah, it? you'd hit spacebar and it says one of the people in your party has dysentery and there's nothing you can do and you go uh 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 and then you hit, you keep going and because was, this character died of dysentery and you go shoot. <laughs> was was there good. a uh, was there like certain things that you would do that increases the odds of you getting dysentery? Was it like I don't know you? Were Not that I know of. I'd have to look into research that. Yeah. I. Anyway, I, 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 all that to say, I think as the game goes, yeah, I, there's too much of just like, I don't know, we, the three of us could play and instantly all, you know, theoretically draw that you've died of dysentery card and you died of a snake bite card and the game would be over in three cards with literally no agency, literally nothing to do. Um, and I, I don't know for, as far as a game goes, as far as like a solid game that you want to bring people to play over and over again, that's not really what you want. So, um, I, as a product, I think it's great. Uh, and I'm right in line with you guys. I'm a, I'll go, I'll, I'll go right there with uh, Tom. I'm going to give it a 3.5. Yeah. I wonder if they, instead of having the, um, the four cards and town cards being split up, what if it, like there was even checkpoints? Like now that you yeah, kind of mentioned yeah, it, like, like w- once you, once you go like th- three stacks of 10 or whatever. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then you, you like reach a town. Cause I think that would yeah. have helped. Um, like, it, and then maybe you could split up the dysentery cards amongst that. Like there's three or four Possibly. different decks. Yeah. I think, I yeah. think that would have been helpful. Cause I, my guess is that in the actual game, they're not going to hit you with five dysenteries back to back. Like there's probably some <laughs> logic in there that I'm says like, sure. Oh, you get it's one. Probably, it's, yeah. It's probably a random one every know. trial. So it might be a same thing with like towns and forts. I don't know. Oregon trail, the, World's first roguelike game, so we'll, we'll see. Yep. <laughs> Permadeath. Everybody dies. Uh, that brings the Rough Draft Boys average to a solid 3.33. Guys, we are pretty close to the BGG average, 4.3. Uh, the closest we have been uh, in quite a while, we were one off from the propaganda game. We're 0.97 off from the BGG average here, so this is uh, quite good. We're, we're right about on track with everybody else. And it seems the sentiments seem uh, seem similar to ours as far as like good implementation of the Oregon Trail game, pretty crappy game, pretty crappy experience. <laughs> so okay. that's what you're looking for. Very nice. So the official review that I've uh, sort of whipped up, I've uh, I typed it. It's not a very long one, but I think it's uh, it's quite succinct and uh, sums up our our thoughts quite nicely. So this is going to be our review on the uh, Board Game Geek page. Uh, I can't believe that an unfair game that I played as a child is now an unfair card game. I didn't die of dysentery. I died of Ameritrash garbage. <laughs> Three out of ten. Three out of That's ten. Great. Perfect. Yeah, I am. I don't know if anyone's going to realize there's uh, irony in that, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm willing to take that chance. So, three out of ten. <laughs> posted on uh, on Board Game Geek. There we go. <laughs> Oh man, I I don't think we're gonna play the expansion. The expansion is a, is a, is that available on uh, Steam? There, Garrett. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to give that a look. Looksies outside of the outside of the podcast, and I'll, I'll let you know later. I don't know, uh, Tom. You might like it. It's called Hunt for Food. <laughs> Hunt for Food. I I can do that as long as they give me the ammunition. I can just uh, I can I can kill like 36 buffalo. 55 buffalo. How many buffalo you want dead? Because I am more than it also happy says to here. To I brought the ammo to do it. It also says here features five new ways to die. So. Oh, perfect. Yeah. 
that's excellent. That I just that's exactly what I wanted. More ways to uh, to end my game sooner. Prematurely without um, any choice. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> and prematurely without any choice as well, Garrett. You like that segue? I do. Our show is winding down as well. But I know, I know that you uh, you're probably you're probably your heart is filled with despair at this uh, at this notion. But don't worry, we will not uh, we will not permanently go away. It is not dysentery or cholera that is taking us just simply because our time is up. But if you would like to reach out to us and I don't know maybe uh maybe tell us your favorite way to die on the uh in the great outdoors as you're uh, traversing a country would be if you would prefer to go down by snake bite I don't know maybe insect bite not a lot of insects in those card decks I think that that'd be a pretty interesting way to die is just complete complete death by mosquitoes skeeter fever <laughs> no. yeah skeeter fever uh you can hit us up on twitter at rough draft games and you can tell us all about uh your preferred uh way to pass through to the great beyond yeah we're also looking for game recommendations especially during the uh, lockdown the shelter in place we need a lot of you know print and plays uh, tabletop simulator mods anything like that tabletopia whatever what have you um and if you're not too comfortable putting that out in the public ether if you're not comfortable tweeting out the uh the random you know sonic mod that you're well aware of or my little pony mod maybe that you, you want to keep that private what's that or maybe that you created personally or yeah, if you're the author of it, if you're the guy that modded it, uh, and you want to keep that a little private, you can send us an email, roughdraftgames at gmail.com, uh, and we'll get that on the podcast. We're looking for stuff to play, because uh, you know, we're holed up like everybody else. We want to we wanna bring the entertainment to you, so bring those suggestions in, we'll get them, we'll get them on the pod. And if you want to find another way to die of a thousand cuts, come check out our website at roughdraftgames.com, where, we can, where you can read things like thematics, where we have a ton of posts there for you to check out. Um, what to eat, what to listen to when you're uh, playing some of our games. Check out other episodes of Rule and Move. Uh, and come, of course, check out our game All Rise, which is hopefully will be launching sometime this year. How is that a death by a thousand cuts? They're all bad. <laughs> saying it's all bad. They're all bad. It's all bad. Hey, but you know what? Got to consume it ironically. So get on over to that URL and uh, pay to visit. And lastly, but not leastly, we want to go ahead and encourage all of you guys who haven't done so. We we're, we're, we can see that review counter. We can see it. It's been stagnant for a little too long. If you've been putting it off, now is the time to act. We need you to go to iTunes and add five-star reviews to our podcast. We really appreciate it for those of you who have done so. It helps us with the algorithm and uh, helps us appear on everyone else's radar, which is great because we have another game that's going to be coming out. Not another. It's our only game that's going to be coming out uh, relatively soon on Kickstarter, as soon as some of this uh, supply chain stuff uh, settles down uh, with the uh, with the COVID-19 stuff. But we want you to be a part of it. And the best way that we can do that is by making sure that we have a nice wide community that we can, one, keep doing this podcast and keep having fun with you guys. But two, uh, to also share the word on what we've done and make sure that we have uh, a lot of people who are available to help us sort of bring this game to life that we really want to share with you guys. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled on that front. We also have a web page that's going up dedicated to our new game. Probably, maybe even later this week. I got some... We got our, we got our graphics done, and we are uh, we're really close to pulling the trigger on this. It's one. looking Keep good. Up. It's looking good, guys. I think you're gonna like it. I think you're. And if you don't, you can put it on your podcast. And you can make fun of it. So, but anyways, that should be another day and another time and another 
wonderful holiday. We're, we're recording this on Easter, by the way. So happy uh, Easter. back to the trail. Happy Happy Easter, everyone. We have we have stuff to do. We have I got brisket in the oven that I got to attend to. Yeah. I got to make sure that uh, I, I, I got to get my affairs in order. So I had fresh eggs for breakfast. So, uh, well, unfortunately, we have gotten a broken axle here and uh, we do not have any spare parts to complete this. So the roll and move wagon is uh, coming to a halt here. Why don't you give it a quick and roll and see if we, we fix it? Well, I'll give it a quick roll. Mm. Rolled a three. Uh, everyone in our party has died. 